Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Morning, morning everyone. Uh, I'm Steve. If you've been hanging around the last few weeks, you might have seen my wife, Viv. Viv and I, we lead, lead this great, great church, and we, we call it the kind of the great adventure. Um, we're just trying to ask God what does he want to, to do uh, with us and the church and give him the church back and say, Jesus, would you build your church and would you help us to make disciples, which, uh, which ultimately is our, our mission and our mandate. And so today I want to talk about the balanced life of a disciple and uh, how we just think about. I'm going to look at Mark uh, chapter 9 uh, from verse 2 to 29. But um, about a year ago, just over a year ago, I, one of my favorite places to meet God is up a mountain. And so about a year ago, I went up to the Lake District and spent maybe four or five days just walking around the Lake District. Um, and there was no one around, and it was fantastic. I was just walking with, just with Jesus for, for like four days. It was, it was really, really good. Uh, whenever I go uh, on holiday or I take time out of the city, I try to find a mountain or a hill or any kind of high place where I can just connect with God. And um, the, when I was there la- last year, I just uh, I refer to this as part of... God just bringing some balance back to me. And so there were some things that, that Jesus did with me in the mountain, which was just bring, bring back some balance. And so some of the notes that I took, to, took and some of the reflections I made, then you get to, you get to hear some of that. Um, let me just say what a disciple is. A disciple is, is just someone who follows Jesus and learns to be like him. Uh, so forgive me today, if you're new to church, you've never st- stepped foot in church before, or you're just exploring this thing called Christianity and faith, this talk is really aimed at followers of Jesus. So forgive me if, if some of what I'm going to say is going to sort of miss, miss you at some point. Um, you see, learning to be like Jesus is, is about learning to, to become like him with his character but also increasingly pattern our life to the life of Jesus. So one of the questions I I was asking is if Jesus had um, your job or my job, if Jesus uh, had your family situation, how would he pattern his life if he had your job, your family situation, or he lived where you lived, or he made the same amount of money as you make? Or uh, one other thing is, if he had your personality type, what would, how would Jesus be? So uh, on a Myers-Briggs, if anyone knows Myers-Briggs, I am an INFJ. Uh, I'm not going to sort of explain, explain all that, but I'm very introverted, I'm very structured, uh, I have lots of opinions. Uh, some of my other personalities, so on the Enneagram, I'm a, I'm a one, I'm a type one personality. Which, on the positive, is I'm a reformer, I'm a pioneer, I'm an entrepreneur. 
On the other side, on the kind of shadow side of me, I'm a kind of perfectionist, control freak. I have lots of opinions. Um, what else? Uh, my disc, if anyone's done disc uh, or colors, I'm a, I'm a DI, if anyone knows that. Or if a color, I'm a red-yellow. And so a red's a kind of a high control, got lots of opinions. And a yellow is kind of a people person. Who, who knew? <laughs> who, who knew? <laughs> so I was asking, I've been asking Jesus the question, if he, if he had my personality type, how would he go about his life? If he had your personality type, how would he pattern his life? Uh, the Apostle Paul says this uh, in, the new, in uh, Colossians. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And in 1 Corinthians, he says this. What would Jesus do? He says this. Whether, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So as we look at this balanced life of the disciple, we're caught up in the life that Jesus Christ is now living on earth through us. We have the same spirit that Jesus had living and breathing inside of us, which is why I want to propose being an apprentice of Jesus or being a follower of Jesus, being a, a disciple of Jesus, is probably the greatest opportunity any human being ever has to follow this man, Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to examine a, a short part of Scripture, but as we examine the life of Jesus in the Gospel, we see that there are these patterns, these rhythms that emerge, and he has a particular way of relating to the world around him. You see, I, I want to say he was really, really intentional about how he used his life, how he kind of invested his life in certain relationships. And the pattern of his whole ministry was around three things, and we're, we're going to explore that. Uh, let me just say it another way. Jesus had these th three great loves. He had three great loves. He loved, his, he loved God, he loved his spiritual community, and he loved the world around him. And he patterned his life to mirror those three intentional relationships. Okay, let's look at Mark, Mark chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, there are a whole bunch at, on the side there. Take one with our compliments. This book could change your life, could literally change your life. So if you don't currently own a Bible, please have one with our, our compliments. So what we're going to do is we're going to read, um, read Mark chapter, chapter 9. It's quite a lengthy passage, and then we're going to just pick up these three pointers for us. So Mark chapter 9. You ready? You ready for reading scripture? Wow, what an amazing opportunity. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before him. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who was talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, is it good for us to be here? Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say so, because they were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice from the cloud said that this is my son with whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. 
As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that, you're, that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wish, just as it was written about him. So the next slide. If you're willing and able to, we're going to read the rest of the scripture, but if you're willing and able to, would you just stand? The words aren't going to be on the screen. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes arguing with them, and they immediately... And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran to him and greeted him. And Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he is a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, uh, how long has this been happening? And the father said to him, from childhood. It has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw a crowd coming running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true, and it was given to you and me in love. Why don't you sit down? All right, let's look at the next slide. I want to go through this scripture. I'm not going to go through it line by line. I'm just going to pick up a few things about how Jesus, he, he balanced his life through these three relational areas. And then what I'm going to attempt to do is try and apply it to my life and your, and your life. You see, when we pattern our life to the, the, the life of Jesus, the way he did it, up in and out, we find that we can find some more balance in our own discipleship, in our own um, patterns, in our own rhythms of, of life. I learned about this pattern maybe 15, 20 years ago. And back then, it was obvious to me that I, 
that I was out of balance in some areas, uh, which I may, may talk about a bit later. Uh, so for my own discipleship, I always see this like a mirror in a window. But also as a church, as V61, we, we attempt to balance our church life and our community around these three main areas, up and out. Um, from the text there in verse 1, we see Jesus going up a mountain. He's often, this wasn't abnormal for Jesus. It happened throughout his life where he was constantly getting away from the crowds and everyone else to spend time with his father, uh, to attend to the upward dimension of his life, which was his relationship with his father. Um, uh, I was reading about this years and years ago. In the 1600s, the UK church, the Church of England and the Church of Scotland were trying to come together and bring some theology and biblical basis for their faith. And they come up, came up with this catchy um, book, really, and it was called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's kind of catchy for now. But they produced a series of theological questions which they wanted to answer. And here's question number one. Question number one, fantastic question. What is the chief end of mankind? What is the chief end of mankind? And their answer was this. Mankind's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. In a one, question number one of our whole life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Psalm 73 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Psalm 97 there. Um, something I often ask questions. I often ask questions. And uh, I was thinking about this. This question of it's not worth my time could be one of the smartest things we ask ourselves. It's not worth, worth my time. It means we're thinking about what's valuable to us and what's not. We're asking ourselves, what should I be doing? What would I rather do instead? What should I live for? Who should I live for? We have to ask this because everything in our culture demands our attention, doesn't it? Everything in our, in our culture demands our attention. There are billions of pounds every, every year spent in the UK to try and force you to have your attention on their product or their thing or their image or their brand. Wisdom is asking us this, asking yourselves this question, it's not worth my time, or is it worth my time? It's, it's knowing the difference between something that's worthwhile and a waste of time. Unfortunately, I'm not very good at answering that. And possibly you and I aren't very good at answering that question. It's not worth my time. We get stuck, don't we, in other things besides what the Westminster Catechism says about to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We get stuck in other, in other things. And I'm just going to give you four things, four ways that you can uh, glorify God and enjoy Him for, forever. Just four things. I haven't got a cheesy acronym. I'm just going to just go through them really, really quickly. Number one, things that I've learned is appreciate God. Learn to appreciate God. Psalm 97 says... For you, O Lord, O Most High, above all the earth, you are exalted far above all other gods. To glorify God is to set your highest thoughts, your highest esteem 
on him. Number two, so that's, that's appreciate. Number two, adoration. Glorifying God. This is what we talk about worship. Uh, Psalm 29 says this, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Worship isn't just something that we do on a Sunday. Let me just say that again and again and again. It's not something that we spend 27 minutes doing on a Sunday, Sunday morning. Worship is much more than singing. It's much more than that. But singing is one of the greatest ways of worshiping God. It's one of our highest values that we worship God in this community. Learn to worship God. So when I was up in the mountain, I suddenly realized my life was out of balance. And I needed to spend more time appreciating God, adoring God. And number three, I needed to spend more time being thankful. Um, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. Thus to glorify God is to thank God for what he's done and who he is. Okay, number four, and this is where we're going to move on to. Number four, ways we can uh, glorify God and enjoy him forever. Number four is seek to become like Jesus. Seek to become like Jesus. You see, we become what we set our affections on. We become what we set our attentions on. And so there's no greater person to set your attention on than, than Jesus. Um, you, you get a glimpse of what goes on in my mind. Um, just sit near a vending machine and watch people when they don't get what they've put their money in. Have you ever done that? How does that fit? We've all done that. We've all kind of like put my one pound in. Where's my Snickers bar? <laughs> Where's my coat? You know, we live in this kind of instant gratification culture where we put something in and we expect something in return immediately, instantly, instantly. Might be a silly example, but I believe it's, a, it's an example of what's, what's going on a deeper dimension of our culture. All of us, most of us, particularly in our, our city culture, we generally expect immediate returns on our investments or of our time. We expect an immediate return on our resources. Um, I don't have time to wait because I want to find the right product, the right procedure. Uh, I'm investing my, the right amount. If I invest the right amount of time and energy and resources in, in that thing, I want those results immediately. Don't you? We all, we all have that. And so it's not surprising that members of our instant gratification culture become impatient with anything that takes time. Anything that takes development, anything that requires more than a limited amount of time of our resources, I don't want to do that. I want it now. I want it immediately. Uh, Viv and I were talking. She, Viv's, Viv wants to change her phone, and cause she says it, it takes ages to start up in the morning. And we did it. We did it a couple of days ago. I was like, let's just time how long it takes to turn on the phone. And it was 17 seconds. That there's reports that our attention span has decreased in the last 10 to 15 years. 
our attention span has decreased to about, I think the report was about eight seconds, which is about the same amount of time as a hamster. Eight seconds. That's our attention span, eight seconds. Um, uh, and so for you and I, so I'm talking to Christians here, you and I, our spiritual quest, our search for the right technique, the right method, the right program, the perfect atmosphere for that perfect spiritual moment in which God can instantly touch me is becoming quite prevalent in our Western Christianity where we're looking for the right trick, the right book, the right sermon, the right worship night where I can become instantly transformed into a new level, a new spiritual wholeness. Our spiritual formation is no vending machine. That's why I want to say it's no vending machine. Don't believe the lie. The Christian journey, if you can remember anything, remember this quote. The Christian journey is an intentional and continual commitment to the lifelong process of growth towards wholeness in Christ. Let me say that again. For the Christians here, followers of Jesus here, it's an intentional and continual commitment to the lifelong process of growth towards wholeness in Christ. And so it's less of a static possession. Are you with me? I, I, forgive me if I'm trying to explain some of my thoughts. It's, it's less of a static possession that we can achieve. I'll do something to receive something, and it's a static moment. I want to propose it's more of a journey that unfolds through this increasing faithful response to the one who his purpose is to shake our hearts and transform our hearts. It's a bit like Ray Lean was saying over the last years. It wasn't just a, an Emmaus Road moment or a road at Damascus where suddenly Jesus was being revealed. It's this lifelong process. I want to say God's grace redeems us on the way of our journey. His power liberates us from the previous journey we've been on. But it requires us to be aware of his transforming presence that meets, meets us as at every turn of the road. I don't, I don't know if I'm making any sense. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's this journey rather than a, a vending machine. Okay. To simply put, the spiritual formation or the process of being formed into the image of Christ is a journey of becoming people of compassion, becoming people who give, people who care deeply for others, and people who go out to the world to release it into the lives of people around us. Okay, that's number one. So up, we're being transformed by Jesus in order in. Jesus comes down the mountain, and where does he go? He comes down the mountain in verse 9. He comes down the mountain and he's investing in, the, in, his, he's investing his life in, in the disciples. You see, Jesus, he was never ambiguous about who his family was. Um, I don't know if you knew this. Jesus spent more than 50% of his time with just his spiritual family. I don't know if you just ever thought about that. He spent more than 50% of his time with his spiritual family and no one else. He was constantly investing in those people that the Father had given him. And what we are, 
any collection of Christians that meet together. It's called the body of Christ. And we want, as a body of Christ, to be the full expression of Jesus in all of these dimensions that saturate our community. Uh, I believe that when a group of people that are truly being the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit begins stoking the core. He begins stoking his red-hot fire of the core, and other people can't help but be drawn in. We're, we're hearing every week people just who are turning up. They've never set foot in a church before. They're turning up here and they go, this doesn't look like a church, but what is it about this place? And I want to say it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that is drawing you into the, into the core. Um, for you and I, as followers of Jesus, it's learning about this Jesus who's the master discipler. Okay, I'm going to skip on. Um, we had, uh, some of you know Eric and Kristen, they're part of our Balaam, Balaam site. Kristen leads our compassion ministries, and we had them over Friday night for a dinner. And uh, we were just talking about how complicated life is and how do we make life simpler. And I said something, and um, again, you can hear my personality coming out. I said something, yeah, Christianity would be so much easier if people weren't involved. <laughs> I just threw it out. My, my relationship with God would be so much easier if I didn't have to interact with other people. Again, I, I say that not in a kind of, I'm not really a pastor, I love people. Um, but it's in our relationship with other people that I want to say are the, the testing grounds of, in our spiritual, spiritual life. These are also the places where growth happens in wholeness in Christ. It's the places there. There's this temptation to think, and you know, many people, they, they think, um, uh, I need to have this private, personal relationship with God. Um, sorry, my notes say something completely different. Um, uh, people say that there's this, I just want to have this private relationship with God, and once I'm sorted, once I get Oh, sorry, can you go back to the triangle? I don't, need, I don't need those ones, sorry. Perfect, thank you. Once I'm sort, once I just, I just need to stay with Jesus. I need to go to every sort of place where I can just worship him and just, that's where I need to be. But the balanced life of disciple is living out your faith with other, with other people. Um, let me give you a good litmus, litmus test of spiritual growth. Um, are you more, just in, in the last year, are you more loving towards other people? Are you more compassionate? Are you more patient? Are you more understanding? Are you more caring? Are you less selfish? Are you more, more of a listener than you were a year ago? Are you more giving? Are you more forgiving? Is forgiveness increasing? Because whenever we're around people, we need to forgive them. Is that happening over this last year? That's a great litmus test to kind of go, am I, am I balancing my life as a, as a follower of Jesus? All right.
and then the out. I'm not really going to talk much about the out, but what we see here with Jesus is in this scripture here, he, he was up the mountain, he did life with his, with his followers, but then he couldn't help himself and just go out. And we see this, the story unfold where he, he heals the boy of muteness and dumbness. And so um, as a church community, we've probably majored on the out. When we first started the church four and a half years ago, there was no way I was going to do Sunday morning services. I was like, there's plenty of Sunday services in London. Let's just be a, an outward-facing church. And so we, I probably don't need to talk much about that because we, we talk about that a lot. Uh, but to be a balanced disciple of Jesus, we have to have all three. Um, let me propose this. As I've just observed people, watched people, talked to people, listened, pray with people, I, I've observed just this. Most of the time, we tend to be strong in one dimension. Most of the time, we're strong in one of those. Most of the time, we're okay in another one. And most of the time, we're weak in, a, in the third one. Does that make sense? What I want you to do, really, really, you've got like one minute. Just turn to your neighbor and say, what are you strong at? What are you okay at? And what are you weak at? Three to one, go. What are you strong at? What are you okay at? What are you weak at? Right. You got 10 seconds. Make sure everyone's spoken. 10, 9, 8. Okay. All right. Yeah, wish me luck. All right, everyone simmer down. What I want you to do is we're just going to look at your strengths. If you're strong at the up, would you stand up? I just, I wouldn't mind just getting an idea. If you're strong at the up, would you stand up? Great. Sit down. If you're strong at the in, would you stand up? Okay, grab a seat. And if you're strong at the out, would you stand up? Great. Great, great, great. And sit down. And if you've got no clue, would you stand up as well? <laughs> yes. Yes. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Um, as I said at the beginning, as I said at the beginning, this triangle uh, works as a picture just so every so often, over the last 15, 20 years, I've just asked myself, how's my balance? I don't know if anyone's been done a segue. And you have to, 
it's all about your balance, where, where you position yourself. You've got these two wheels, you have to stand here, and you just push yourself in a different balance way. Um, this triangle acts as a mirror for you to go, how's your balance? We're modeling ourselves the life of Jesus in all three ways. We're trying to be, have strength in all, all those three ways. But also, I said, it acts as a window to see what life could be. Uh, let's have the next slide. You got the next slide there. I want to propose that if we're strong and okay on one side, so let's say I'm stronger up and I'm okay at out, we could become isolated. We could isolate ourselves from other people. If we're strong at the up or, or okay at the in or, or vice versa, if we lean towards those two, I want to say we'll, we'll become ineffective for the gospel, ineffective for the kingdom of God. And if we're uh, okay, if we're strong at the out and the in, we'll end up becoming burnt out. So my life a year ago, I was right on the edge of being burnt out because I'd forgotten about that my life was to glorify God, worship Him, uh, enjoy Him forever. And so this last year, I've just tried to put a bit more balance in, in that way. And it's, and it's worship, it's singing, but it's also around spiritual formation and silence and prayer. Um, I found myself praying to kind of feed you lot. I found myself, I was praying and looking at the scriptures for you. And uh, forgive me, Jesus was saying, will you just look at the scriptures for, me, for you, Steve? He was inviting me to almost like have this just relationship with him for myself. And so this, this last year, I've just been trying to be a bit more selfish, if that's okay. So I have been praying. Some of you might start blaming me for all your troubles. Ah, oh, that's why. <laughs> um, let me get the band up. Let me get the band. And I'm, I'm going to carry on talking, and we're just going to lead into worship. You see, Jesus, he had no character problems, did he? Jesus had no character problems, but we do. Did you know that? We have, some pro we have some character problems. And I want to say personal prayer and practices that lead to spiritual formation are some of your essential rhythms for balance. And over this next season, I guess, this next few months, we're going to be looking at areas of prayer, solitude, silence, fasting, study, worship, generosity, connecting with believers and, and unbelievers. We're going to be looking at meditation, Lecta Divina. I'm, I'm incredibly excited about the difference and the balance that we're going to find. Hey! Um, let me st let's stand up. Let's stand up. Um, just this morning, uh, one of my fav favorite, favorite scriptures at the moment that I'm meditating on, I'm thinking about, I'm praying into at the moment is um, Matthew 11, verse 29, from the message. I think maybe a few weeks ago I might have said it here. Uh, in the message version, it says this. Are you tired? This is Jesus saying. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me. Just, if, you, if you're able to, just close your eyes and just see if you can hear Jesus say this to you. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. 
Jesus is saying, I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I learn to do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, but keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Just during the singing worship today, I did feel as though there were some people here that you've never, ever invited Jesus into your life, fully invited Jesus into your life, or a bit like Raylene, when you know you grew up with religion, but you've never really known a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is saying, come to me, get away with me. I, I, I just, if there's anyone here and you've never... In, receive this invitation to have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never said, Jesus, will you take my journey in the past? Will you pour your grace and mercy and forgive me of the things that I've done wrong? And invite him to almost take the wheel of the rest of your journey. Would you just put your hand up? I, just, I, I really think there's some people here. Would you just put your hand up? You want to invite Jesus in today as your Lord and Savior. Would you just give me a wave and shove it, shove it right down? Anyone here? Jesus says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. So I invite you, Jesus. I thank you. I thank you for all that you've done on the cross. And I, I pray for a release of the full work of the cross amongst many, many of us here today, that we would know and understand that we have been forgiven. All of our sin and shame has been washed clean. And even today, Jesus can wash you clean. He can wash you clean. So as we, um, as we sing... Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.